The next of my posts was called Broken. I'm going to make an embarrassing confession. When I started this novel a year ago, and, like so many, put it down, I asked my daughter, who loved it, a question. Why does the novel include such long, tangential asides like the conversation with Marmaladoff in the tavern? My feeling reading it then was that I was being taken away to some irrelevant scene, there only to create a sense of poignant realism. How terribly wrong I was. Little did I know then that at the very heart of my spellbound captivation with this novel would be Katerina Ivanovna. Stricken by the horror of watching Notre Dame burn a few weeks ago, at the very moment that we encountered again a reference in Crime and Punishment to Hugo's great literary tribute to it, I began researching Hugo's influence on Dostoevsky. I read this in a book called Dostoevsky, The Stir of Liberation, by Joseph Frank. Quote, Dostoevsky had revered Hugo as a poet whose childlike Christian tendency expressed the noblest and most sacred ideals of the modern world. The ideal inspiring Hugo's work, he writes, and this is now Frank quoting Dostoevsky, is the fundamental thought of all the art of the 19th century, and it is a thought of which Victor Hugo as artist was probably the first herald. Its formula is the raising up of the fallen human being, crushed by the unjust pressure of circumstances, a centuries-old stagnation, and of social prejudices." Unquote. If the raising up of the lowly is one of the goals of Dostoevsky's art, he has achieved it with virtuosic and heart-rending mastery in the character of Katerina Ivanovna. You know her terrible story, the better circumstances into which she was born, and, in her misery, desperately longs to return. The endless, dreary hours she spends washing floors and mending rags, always feeling herself meant for more. The waves of violent rage and aching compassion she feels for her drunken, derelict husband. The guilt she suffers over depending on sweet Sonia and driving her to prostitution. Her pain at seeing her children starve and suffer, and the madness that drives her to beat them for causing her that pain and her affliction with a disease that leaves her weak and wan and frail, and with parched lips stained with blood. A reader's heart would ache merely at that outline of her suffering, but Dostoevsky does not allow us the comfortable distance of an outline. He requires us to look closely, and to endure the agonizing details. The scene Raskolnikov comes upon on the canal bank is piteous in the extreme, a crowd gathered to see the strange spectacle of the frantic, breathless woman in her ragged shawl and crushed hat, hoarsely shouting at her children to dance, pleading with the crowd for pity, and then flying at them in fury when they laugh at her. The children make a still more pitiable picture, Kolya and Lita in their absurd costumes made from family relics, weeping in terror and arousing their mother's fury with their fear. Polenka clinging to her mother, looking at her uneasily, dimly aware of her condition and struggling to hide her tears. And Sonia, 
beseeching Katerina Ivanovna in vain to bring the children home. There are the desperate delusions brought on by her madness and her hopeless longing for the just and good. How she convinces herself that her husband was a man of truth and fidelity, who, one may say, died in the service. That hers is an honorable and bereaved family reduced to beggary. That the Tsar himself, merciful father of the fatherless, will offer his protection when she falls on her knees before him. There is the moment they are approached by the policeman, and Kolya and Lida seize each other by the hand and flee in terror, thinking he will take them away somewhere. And Katerina Ivanovna, weeping and wailing, runs after them until she falls to the pavement and the crowd sees it stained with blood. Quote, when they examined Katerina Ivanovna carefully, they saw that she had not cut herself against a stone, as Sonia thought. But that the blood that stained the pavement red was from her chest. Unquote. It seems that it was the visions of her genteel past and the delusion that she would escape her wretched conditions in the future that kept her alive through all her tortured suffering. Her death is the death of those dreams. She says to Sonia, quote, Polenka, Lida, Kolya, come here. Well, here they are, Sonia. Take them all. I hand them over to you. I've had enough. The ball is over. Unquote. Her final words to Sonia are, Enough. It's over. Farewell, poor thing. I am done for. I am broken. So was my heart. The moment that followed affected me most of all, and partly for personal reasons. Last week, I picked up my four-year-old from preschool and found her talking animatedly to her friend Fletcher. She put her hands firmly on his shoulders, and he put his on hers, and they bowed their heads together in conversation. After she skipped over to me, I asked what they were talking about, and she said they were planning their playdate. The similarity of that gesture and utter difference in circumstances and tone of the following killed me. Quote, Though Kolya and Lita did not understand what had happened, they had a feeling that it was something terrible. They put their hands on each other's little shoulders, stared straight at one another, and both at once opened their mouths and began screaming. Unquote. Though the poignancy was somewhat personal, that doesn't make it specific to me. That is Dostoevsky's art. He captures a grand abstraction, like the suffering of the oppressed, and he makes it personal to all of us by tethering it to these very familiar, visceral realities. Katerina Ivanovna dies with the Certificate of Merit beside her. That, too, is an image I want to see rendered in art. This wretched woman who clung with desperation to the life she believed herself meant for, while she endured all the misery of the life to which she was in reality condemned, lying dead next to the symbol of that impossible life. The next of my posts was called Songs. One of our group members, Molly Johnson, had the good sense to look up the music referred to over the course of this chapter. 
She found recordings of the tunes Katerina Ivanovna made Kolya and Lida sing in the streets, like Saint Vatan Guerre and Sang Sue, as well as a song by composer Alexander Fett with the words from a poem by Lermontov that Katerina Ivanovna nostalgically recalls as having been sung to her by the children's father. Here are the words to that poem. In noon's heat, in a dale of Dagestan, with lead inside my breast, stirless I lay. The deep wound still smoked on. My blood kept trickling drop by drop away. On the dale's sand alone I lay. The cliffs crowded around in ledges steep, and the sun scorched their tawny tops and scorched me. But I slept death's sleep. And in a dream I saw an evening feast that in my native land with bright lights shone, among young women crowned with flowers, a merry talk concerning me went on. But in the merry talk not joining, one of them sat there, lost in thought. And in a melancholy dream, her young soul was immersed, God knows by what. And of a dale in Dagestan she dreamt, in that dale, lay the corpse of one she knew. Within his breast a smoking wound showed black, and blood ran in a stream that colder grew. And here is an excerpt from the composition by Alexander Fett. I will include a link to it and the other songs in the Facebook group and in the email. Show! 